Electricast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the SNSW Podcast, Rayshon Buchanan and Bob Kelly sit down with Josue Pavone, Celtics and NBA writer for Heavy.com and Celtics reporter for CLSN Media, to discuss the Celtics' 2020 season, their disappointing season-ending series in the Eastern Conference Finals versus the Miami Heat, and what moves could be made to avoid a repeat in 2021. Later in the interview, Josue will explain what it's like to do a podcast with one of Boston's most beloved Celtics icons, Cedric Maxwell. But first... This episode is being brought to you by Boxo Crafts. Boxo is an arts and crafts focused kid subscription box. Boxo is a parent run company that combines creativity and convenience in one monthly package, delivered right to your door. Boxo's premier box, Boxo Holidays, contains four separate art projects to get you and your family into the holiday spirit. Whether it's Halloween, Hanukkah, or Easter, they've got you covered with holiday fun. Boxo, we can't wait to see you create. Check out BoxoCrafts.com and exclusively to our listeners, enter promo code SNSW for 10% off your first order. That's B-O-X-O Crafts.com, promo code SNSW. The SNSW podcast is a one-hour weekly, two-hour monthly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript of today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as our WordPress and Buzzsprout pages. If you're new to the show, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. And be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And now, this is the SMSW Podcast. But it's all relative. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the SNSW Podcast. I'm Rayshawn Buchanan alongside Bob Kelly. Today we have a special guest with us on the show. He covers the subjects for Heavy.com. He is the co-host of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast and the founder and co-host of the Causeway Street blog and podcast. We'll have all those links in the show notes below. He is also a contributor to the Garden Report and is a subjects insider for CLNS Media. That being said, I introduce the summer to others, Joseph like Pavone. Uh, what's, what's going on, man? Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate the invite. How are we doing? Good. Yes. Good. Good. Good to have you on, man. So just uh, just before we start, man, just how's everything been during this quarantine season, man? It's, it's been. I know it's been crazy, but you know. Yeah, it's been. It's, it's weird now, right? I mean, right now we're supposed to be getting ready for a brand new regular season. It's, it's the complete opposite. It's the, the beginning of the off season. It should be an entertaining off season. We'll we'll see. I, I'm I'm talking generally speaking too with the with 
with the NBA. Uh, I do think the Celtics have a couple moves up their sleeves, but I don't think it'll be anything, you know, huge. I'm sure we'll get into it soon, but yeah, right. it's been, uh, it's been quite a transition. It's, it's just, it's different. You know, the leaves are changing and it's supposed to be a completely different time, <laughs> but I guess that's just sort of puts the, uh, the year 2020 in a nutshell, man, just a different time, I guess. But, uh, thank, thank yeah. you. No, no, I, yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree my, more. So my parents right now, you know, I check in with them, of course, and, uh, things have been good, you know. Friends and family, luckily, uh, guys. Everyone's been healthy. Yeah, no, that, that's that's good to know. Um, same thing over here, man. It's been twenty twenty's been been crazy, but you know, thankfully to have people still safe and still sound. So, you know, just hope that it continues to stay that way. So, uh, so it's like you hear this talk selfish. So let's let, let's get into it, man. Sound good? Yeah, man. See, I can't even. Gee, I, I'm already talking Celtics. Jeez. Yeah, no, that, that, that's cool. Man. That's what you got to do, baby. That's, that's, that's my favorite thing to do, man. So, all right. So the first question yeah, we want to ask is, what, what's the grade that you would give the 2019-2020 uh, Celtics? And who, who was the MVP of the Celtics for you this year? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, a grade I would give them, I'm going to give them, you know what? I'll give them a, I'll give them a, I'll give them a C plus. I'll give them a, a friendly C plus. Uh, and, and MVP, um, I'm gonna say Jason Tatum for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like that's 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 a little lower than I than I thought. But I, I mean, uh, I, I mean, as, as some as someone, I mean, Bob Bob knows this, Craig knows this too. But you know, I I was killing them in in the postseason. You know, I I, I I was I was so mad with how they performed in certain spots. So I mean, now you know, just talking to you right now and hearing you say C plus, I'm actually I'm actually gonna agree with you because. This team with the talent they have, obviously, with you know Hayward and you know Smart Kemba, you know all, all that talent that's there and on the top six and top seven guys, they they underperform. And there's no other way to put it. Like, oh, you know, these guys are young. Okay, but how long are we going to say that? You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I actually I tend to agree with you that you know C plus is probably an accurate assessment of what happened this year. Yeah, I mean, well, the reason why I don't give them. You know, I, I wouldn't give them a, a higher grade than a C plus is because the way things unfolded. I mean, obviously the, the injuries played a part here. This team wasn't healthy and it came at a really bad time. I, Gordon Hayward, in my opinion, I mean, there isn't a better fourth option out there in the NBA. I mean, it's just his numbers across the board just completely were, were overlooked what he was doing before the playoffs or at least before the bubble. And I think um, that was a humongous blow. Obviously, we saw what happened throughout the course of the Toronto series and, and how important he could have been in that. And sure, the Celtics survived that, but they, they were outmatched, in my opinion. I mean, I, I, I to some degree, they underperformed because of their execution and because they had so many golden opportunities. Big reason why C-plus comes into play there. I mean, I can't give a team like the Celtics a B that had a, a fourth-quarter lead in every single game in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not, like, exaggerating. Like, every single game, there was a fourth quarter. And, of course, there was a double-digit lead more than a couple of times for the Celtics. You know, games that were in their hands, and they essentially just let fly away. But, again, to, to credit the, the Miami Heat, they they did outplay the Celtics. Let, let's not kid ourselves here. I, I, I can't – I don't fall in the narrative of these guys shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, they, they did to a certain extent. Sure, uh, experience played a part, whereas – yeah, they're they're younger than uh, most, but their experience. These guys have been there before, right? They've been in this situation. Specifically, we look at 2018, how far uh, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum were, uh, which who Jason Tatum is now compared to who he was back then, who they were facing at that at that time. All those, all that experience, you, you take all that into account, and you're like, well, wait a minute here. 
could we have asked or could the Celtics have asked for a better path to the NBA Finals? It just didn't get better than that. If someone would have told me a month before the playoffs started, hey, the Celtics are going to beat the Raptors. They're going to beat the uh, Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. But I'm not quite sure how they're going to do against Miami Heat. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I like the Heat. You know, I was a huge fan of the Miami Heat, especially when they added those two guys uh, right before the, the, the shutdown. But the Celtics, let's face it, they were the favorite in that team, uh, in that series, excuse me, you know, so, so I have a follow-up question to that. Now, I'm with you with the they underperformed and the reason and how they underperformed is why that C-plus comes into play because to me, with basketball effort or a lack of effort is an inexcusable thing. So I'm definitely with you on that. If they had played the Bucks in that Eastern Conference Finals, would that grade be higher for you? No. No, no actually. You know what? Believe it or not, I, I thought the Miami Heat was going to be a tougher challenge than the Bucs. I just thought overall, they just had so many. And here's the biggest reason why. I, I didn't believe in the Bucs heading to the playoffs because I'm like uh, Eric Bledsoe, you know, uh, Divincenzo, Div- uh, <laughs> yeah. Divincenzo. Mm-hmm. I always forget the syllable. Or I always try to add it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do I trust these guys? Do I trust these shooters? And I, I didn't. I don't trust these guys. And sure, Chris Middleton's going to give you some heck of, uh, you know, a couple of performances throughout the course of a best of seven series. But I'm like, is that enough, though? And the Miami Heat just defensively, so many uh, obstacles there for the Celtics, whether we're talking, you know, Iguodala, uh, you know, uh, motivated Dragic, which I think is key to, to emphasize that word motivated. I love uh, Dragic over Kemba one on one, you know, because a motivated Dragic is a different kind of player, which just made the, the the Heat a completely different team. Adebayo, I thought, was a humongous uh, advantage for the Miami Heat, you know, compared to um, Brooke Lopez. You know, and again, it's not a knock to Brooke Lopez, but the running gun. The way these guys can defend and transition, I mean, it was just a much tougher matchup, in my opinion. The the, the identity of the Miami Heat, I, I just thought I didn't like. I, I would prefer this for the Celtics' chances. I would have preferred them to see to see them play the Bucks, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's funny that that's, that's said because I feel like a lot of people felt the other way, like they wanted the "quote unquote" easy way out, you know, and face Miami. You know, now I mean, Milwaukee. You know, I think people were basing it off last year where, you know, they essentially took us out of there in five, but we you know, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole and talk about the chemistry issues that team had. So the stuff that happened right. with Kyrie and, you know, just, you know, Tatum not getting another shots of Brown, not, you know, feeling comfortable in the offense and just being mad that Hayward was getting more opportunities than they probably should have coming off that, that ankle injury. But um, I, the only reason why I think Milwaukee would have been tougher is because they uh, – they, they just packed the paint, even though they shoot a lot, but I feel like they, they packed the paint enough that, you know, they would have just kept attacking and, you know, the refs call everything for Giannis in my opinion. So not to sound like that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Like I feel like he gets every ball. So as soon as he runs down the middle, it's just like, Oh, okay. Like he's a six eleven Russell Westbrook. And he just, you know, people just run out the way, uh, when, when, when he, when he attacks. So, um, and like I said, they, they, they do shoot, but like you said, to me, there is Giannis and a bunch of role players. Like metal tends to me is a role player too. Um, that 30, that I think was game four against Milwaukee. I mean, against Miami when he had 36 and it's like, well, why can't you do that against other, you know, when Giannis is there, like when, against other teams, but he doesn't. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting dynamic with them for sure. Um, so that, that kind of leads into, cause I'm so kind of keeping the topic with Miami. So, uh, hypothetically speaking, if the Celtics had got past Miami, you know, how do you think they would have fared against the Lakers in the finals? I honestly think you you probably would have saw the same 
Dang, Lakers in six, maybe five, maybe. I mean, uh, again, the matchup, instead of Bam Adebayo, we're talking Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? That's just tough. I just don't, I, I didn't like the Celtics' chances in that. And it's funny, my, my co-host, Max, he thinks they had a shot. He thinks the Celtics team had a shot. I'm like, Max, what? Like, you're, you're insane. Like, listen, the series against the Raptors, I thought this team had turned a, a significant corner that would get them to the NBA Finals. I, I really did. Whether it was the Milwaukee Bucks playing for them or whether it was the Miami Heat. I'm like, they learned so much about themselves throughout that, specifically Jason Tatum. Um, you, you know, it's, it's, you can pinpoint so many things that, you know, if they win differently in that best of seven series against the Heat, that the Celtics win that series. But game one, Bam out of bio, like one of the greatest blocks ever. Like seriously, like you can't make that stuff up. And then people complain of, oh well, Jason Tatum. Well, the last possession, no, 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 screw the last possession. That possession, he did exactly what you wanted him to do. He didn't set up for the three. He didn't back down. Bam out of bio was coming to him. It was toe to toe, man versus man. You know, man on man, and he he lost. And you know, let's say he that he converts that layup. Does something go to the NBA Finals? Maybe, you know, there was just so many of those situations. But again, in the end, the Celtics had a lot of games where they could have won. And, and that's that's probably not even one that tops the list, I guess. <laughs> Game one is up there, but there was a couple of other winnable games as well. And the Celtics just let us go right through the fingertips. Yeah, that's that's what surprised me most about that Heat series is you really did see. And, and I said it so much on the show um, throughout that entire series. Is like you really did see that team's championship mentality that that they were backed up against the wall so many times they had they had absolute nut checks like listen you're everything is against you what are you made of and each time they showed up and and did their thing and then you get to that heat series and it was just the complete opposite so um but then with the lakers i agree with you there when it comes to anthony davis uh i think he would have created such crazy matchup problems now do you think there would have been even when it came to LeBron, do you think he would have absolutely dominated this team in that finals? Like he did to the heat. Um, I think he would have saw probably the same, maybe a little less, but not, not much. I think the Celtics did a really good job. Well, I should say really good job, but in, in comparison to what LeBron typically does against the Boston Celtics, <laughs> they, they, they fared well in those two games against him, uh, or, or at least in, in, the, in, in general. You know, I, I just think the Celtics' defense has just taken another notch compared to what we've seen. And it's, it's sort of hard to gauge. I mean, the easiest game to, to, to look at would be the overtime loss that happened in L.A. I was actually there for that. Um, one heck of a game, in my opinion. That's probably that's up there. Probably, one of, probably my favorite uh, performance from Jason Tatum. But um, they impressed me how, how they defended, you know, the, the Celtics that, of course, the Lakers and, and, and LeBron James, like he, he has a really good memory. He remembers, he'll remember a 35 or I forget what it was, I think it was a 40 point blowout that the Celtics gave him a few months before. So I was expecting the Celtics. To yeah, that, that was on MLK day. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. expecting the Celtics to get lost. Hey, you know, they go, they push it to overtime. Tatum, you know, 41 points, career high, all that good stuff. So I love the Celtics match. You know, I, I love the way they defend him. But just overall, for you know, as a matchup, Celtics versus Lakers, I, I just think Anthony Davis puts them over the top for sure. Yeah, for sure. Now, not to keep rehashing that heartbreaking season that we just had, but as we know, that's over. So we're going to ask you some GM questions of what you think the Celtics need to do in order to get to that spot that we think they should be at, which is in the NBA finals. Does that sound good? All right. All right. All right cool. I'll do my best, man. I don't know. 
All right. So, so the first question. Facts. Um, <laughs> facts. So, so that, so that leads right into my next question. So when it comes to this draft, what do you think the Celtics strategy should be? Now we all know they need a big man. So they acquire that as a young big man, or do they take those picks plus a couple of players and maybe go get like a, a Miles Turner, Steven Adams? Where do you see them going with this? The second part for sure. <laughs> uh, look, I wish there was this secret big man that the Celtics could just grab and, and plug into their to Stevens' rotation. The guy would flourish. I, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is one. But again, can he plug him in? Can Brad Stevens plug this guy in and, and, and get instant results? I, I just don't see it. Um, that's the best course, I, I think. And I think that's what Danny is going to try to do. In terms of seeing a huge shakeup, like, I just don't see that. Some people might look at that as, as a huge shakeup. Um, if that's the case, then I think that's what Danny's aiming for. I think he wants to package those picks, um, you know, maybe package a couple of these players, a couple of these younger, younger guys. It's just tough because he just didn't have a good chance to showcase them, right? I mean, right. Romeo Linkford, how much trade value is, is there, right? Uh, outside of a, a historic preseason three-point performance from Carson Edwards, where's his trade value after that one year removed from that, you know? So it's just really tough for him because I think if you have a guy like that, then it makes things a little easier. Uh, Robert Williams, I mean, there were some parts, there was some – uh, there was a stretch in the season before the shutdown where it was like, man, maybe this is it. And it just didn't happen. Right. It just never materialized. So I, I think it's, he's going to be up against it. I love those two guys. You just named uh, miles Turner in particular, of course, his name did come up. Some people aren't so crazy about it, or at least they're not crazy about the idea of seeing the Indiana Pacers deal him. But I mean, I've been told that, you know, the Pacers are open to it. You know, I, I mean, he hasn't been completely healthy, but they're not, completely thrilled uh, about that new contract. They're a little nervous. They're thinking about getting from up under that, but is that package enough? You know, put yourself in the, in the Pacers shoes. Are you excited about Romeo Langford? Are you going to give up uh, a, a guy like that? I mean, sure. You're going to save some cap space there, but you know, you're going to want someone in return, someone that you truly believe in. Now for the Celtics, what sort of works in their favor Maybe there's a team that's drooling over someone that's projected to be selected at that pick. Maybe someone really wants that 14th pick. Or, or maybe that one guy brings on two more rookies that they're like, you know what, or two or three more rookies. Maybe this is worth it. But again, it's not going to be a whole lot of value in that proverbial big man that we're all sort of trying to plug and see who's going to fit for the Celtics. Right. The, the one person I think... Um, and I want to know what you think about this. That could add value that possibly could get us Miles Turner because you said they're trying to get that cap space is I know, I know Gordon Hayward has what one or two years left on his deal. I think he has two left now. Right. So, so what if, what just hypothetically, just hear me out, Gordon Hayward, Lankford, the picks, and I don't know, uh, who's the, the guy that we just got from uh, from France. Oh, uh, Vincent Poirier. Yeah, I mean, Poirier. I, I don't. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm just. I'm. So, what do you? Is Gordon Hayward enough to get that upside? Do you think with the paces where they could partner Old Depot with Hayward for one season, see what they got, and then maybe they would think about doing that, or or is or is the league down on Hayward like like a lot of Celtics Nation? Thing, man, like Hayward again. What he did throughout the regular season is great, but because of what happened in the playoffs, the very first game, man, talk about bad luck. The first game of the playoffs, 
that really set it back. So his trade value d- diminished uh, in, in a huge way after that. It's sort of, it, but but not in a way that's like, oh, he's completely out of the window. But it's like, a, hey, you have to prove that you can do that again, you know. And I think that's why all signs are pointing that he's going to opt into that deal because what there's not going to be a whole lot of that that's out there and you can prove yourself for $34 million, you know, you're going to take that, you know? And, and I think if you're the Indiana Pacers, I'm going to wait because I'm going to say, let's see how he does. And if I like him that much, I'll just go out and sign him, you know, we'll see what the words value is at. And if we're really crazy about moving from Miles Turner, the money will be there, you know? So it's a couple, a couple of different ways you can look at it. If Gordon Hayward was uh, putting up those kind of numbers throughout the postseason, maybe the Pacers think about it. Maybe they say, you know what, let's get him now. You know, obviously he has hometown roots here. Maybe the home, a hometown discount will, will come into play when we have to give him a new contract come the next offseason. But again, seeing Hayward go down didn't do him any favors. And for the Boston Celtics, if you're trying to deal him, I, I think your best bet is at least the, uh, the the trade deadline in 2021, whichever, whenever that's going to be. Right. I mean, but that's, that's the thing, too, is like, you know, I feel like teams are not going to look on to take that as a rental. I feel like, I mean, that that's an option because, I mean, it'll be an right. deal, so to speak. So that that's possible. But I just want to circle back around before we close out about the big man thing. Right. So, yeah, most likely there is some magical big man out there that's going to do something. But, you know, three guys I'm thinking of right away. So um, obviously we're not going to get a Wiseman because Wiseman is going to go top three, whether he goes to Charlotte or to Golden State or to Minnesota. But uh, Jalen Smith from uh, from Maryland. Uh, Daniel Oturo, who's from Minnesota, and then uh, James Wiseman's teammate, Precious Achua, who could maybe be a late lottery round pick. So, uh, do you know? Do you know all those guys? And you know, could those guys be a fit in Brad Stevens' system? Personally, I think Achua would be the best fit because defensively, I think he's just he right now to me he's an NBA defender. Now he can he can't shoot that well yet, but from from a defensive standpoint, he fits what Brad Stevens is trying to do versatility wise. Yeah, no, I, I like him. That's that's the one name that stood out for me for sure. That that's that's realistic. That's something to certainly grab. But um, I just don't know if he's NBA ready, you know. And, and I also don't think that Brad Stevens is completely. I mean, not that he would give up on Robert Williams, but I think there's still some some hope there. I mean, Grant Williams is certainly above Robert in the towing pole for 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 Brad Stevens, and that's another guy too. I mean, don't don't sleep on Grant. That's the one going to certainly step into a, a bigger role, and I think he's going to do a really good job at it. I, I do. I have a. Uh, He's someone's going to be an everyday player in, in, in the NBA, which is exactly what Brad Stevens said. And um, I think he, he makes that leap sooner than, than people are going to realize. Now, is he going to get you over the top? No, but he's a piece that get that that's going to boost that second unit. And right now, I think the Celtics, outside of guys like who might be available, you know, whether we're talking, I don't know, Willie Cauley-Stein or, you know, these guys who may be looking to latch onto a team and prove that they still have, you know, what it, what it takes to, to, to contribute to a contending team, you know, maybe something to take a, take a flyer on someone like that and that pans out. But I think your best bet is to see uh, what happens from, from within. And, and if the Celtics can't trade for someone like a Miles Turner or someone of that magnitude or, or a, a defensive shot blocker that's someone, or a rim protector, then I think that's sort of the route they're going to go. And the uh, midseason, because I think Danny Ainge is going to make it. I think he's made it somewhat obvious that this team isn't where it, where it needs to be to, to, to compete for a championship. So um, he's, he's going to make a deal uh, with those pieces. I, I just don't see him keeping all those draft picks along with the rookies that he already has on the roster. So we'll see. We'll wait. But that's that's the area that needs to be addressed the most for sure. 
Yeah, no, I can. So like, that's, that's where my head always goes to is like, we've seen it so many times in the past where with Danny Ainge, you always think he's going to make that deal with these picks, but then he just doesn't, you know, we, we've seen it year in and year out. We're like, Oh, we're going to do it this year. This is the year. This is the year he's here. And then we end up drafting Carson Edwards and Grant Williams, you know, it's so like, as much as I really wish, I, I feel like I'm with you on this because, like, I wish we would make that deal, but I just don't. I feel like unless it, it's perfect for Danny, which always seems to be the trend, he's not going to pull that trigger unless it's something he knows is going to make his team better. Right, which makes you think how patient he can be, right? Like, yeah. he, he can wait this thing out. And that, that's why I think it's just, like, relatively speaking, you're going to see – pretty much with the, the same rotation, at least the same core that you saw last season. And and guys like, I don't know, Portier or you – know, Javante has a shot to make the team. They may bring – they may retain Javante for next season. But uh, Shemi Ojale, I mean, a lot of these guys, you're not going to see them coming Shemi got to go, man. I'm, I'm Ray, sorry. Ray hates yeah, yeah, I, 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 He I, hates I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like, to me, it, I, we'll say this and we'll wrap it up soon, but it's like <laughs> – you, you brought up Sammy, man. You better time out some 45 right. minutes. No, yeah. <laughs> no uh, Shemi Ojale, to me, has got so much clout of what he did in the, in that first-round series against Giannis a couple years ago, and it's unbelievable to me. Like, he hasn't done much since. Like, he had a, he had a nice little stretch earlier this year, like, on their You're West Coast. Every time yeah. they talk about the Bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Back to Milwaukee, right? So it's just like, okay, like, yes, he can guard Giannis for a couple of possessions, but what other defining moments has he had in his young career? Yeah. And it hasn't been one. So maybe it's, he's the next Yabaselli, and he has to go. Like, you, you have to upgrade that bench. I'm sorry. Like, it, it cannot stay as I is. Agree. And, you know, like, I feel like to me, as Celtics fans, we've been conditioned to think, like, well, he's not, and Danny's not going to make that move. So, listen, Danny, like, if you're listening to this, like, do not, do not think that you have to finesse the other team. I know that's what you've been doing. You finesse Billy King, you finesse, you finesse Dan Gilbert, I get that. But make it happen. For, for, for a three and D guy, like, he's just, he's just like, he, he, he wants like, no, him, man. He's going to be this guy. Like, he's he's going to mold into this player that I need him to be. It's just, yeah, unfortunately, never worked out. Yeah. I, I mean, if you, if you look at three and D, you know, that, that kid out of Villanova, City Bay, that might be the next guy. He, he's a three and D guy, specialist, I feel like, you know. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's the guy they look after because uh, to me, this, the Shemmy days are done, man. But, you know, it, 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 yeah. is, it is. I'm not going to, I could go another 20 minutes about that, but. <laughs> Well, I don't know, man. Maybe Javante will be your, your your new Shemi, at least in that role. Maybe yeah, I don't know if you dislike him as much, but maybe. He I mean, he's, he's, once again, he's a, he's a high flyer. But once again, what what are the moments that you have? Like, okay, you can jump over somebody, but you know, I mean, you, he has to grow defensively before I can say that he's going to be an impact player. So we'll see. Well, a lot of people said the same thing about Jalen when he came into the league too, though. He's he's uh, not stop, stop. he's not Jalen. <laughs> you read my mind, like you, you see yeah. a pattern. Brad loves these guys. <laughs> like, loves them, man. He can play two through four. Brad's like, really? Like, he's drooling over these guys. Like, Pretty yes, man, yeah. them through. Pretty man, yeah. Man, the, we, we the got Jalen got drafted. I'm on Causeway going on and on. They're like, and my co-host, Sean, Sean Dutra is just like, nah, man, I hope he does it. There's no way. I'm like, you know, Jalen Brown, yeah. Brown is so Brad Stevens. He's such a Brad guy. Like, he does everything that Brad loves and, and has the athleticism and you know, how he, he how he can uh, defend and transition. I'm like, this has Brad Stevens written all over it. So, yeah, he loves those guys. Yeah, he, he does. I mean, you know, thankfully we kept Jalen. I know everyone in 2016 wanted Jimmy Butler, so. Um, no, Jalen. Quiet now, too. 
Yeah, yeah real quiet. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in. You know, I'm not afraid to say that. You know, I, I wanted Jimmy at that time. I'm not gonna lie, because I'm, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't watch too much Pac-10 basketball at the time. So I'm like, who is this kid? I'm like, you got another guy who can't shoot right away. Like that's, I, I was, I was pissed. I'm not gonna lie, I was pissed. But you know, he's, he's growing every year. So I'm excited yeah. about that. So that's, that's Sean's, that's Sean's new go-to now. Jamal, J- Jamal Murray. I'm like, man, Jamal you want Murray, man. Yeah, but this dude wanted everyone but Jalen. Like, he, yeah. I think. He, <laughs> I'm like, little man, if the Celtics draft Chris Dunn, I don't know where this team's going, man. I'm, oh, I'm, my I'm, gosh. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. – yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad that never happened either. Yeah. I know he was a local but, guy. But I, I, I did give him some credit for that one, though. I'm like, I, I was – there were some days throughout my mock draft, I was like, Jamal Wood, but I'm like, wait a minute now. Jalen is just that guy that, that fits the mold. And another thing, too, about Jamal that people forget, if the Nuggets don't make him into a point guard, I, you know, it could have – could have taken another couple of years before he actually because this is gonna happen eventually, right? You can't hide this, right? But it, it may have derailed things for another year or two before we actually see who he is now. But yeah, right, right. Exactly. So I, I have one last question about the offseason. When it comes so I know that what we just said, the Celtics to me have been ignoring their bench and not bringing in those bench guys that we've seen have success year in, year out. Those those guys who are so vital to winning a championship. Is there anyone out there in free agents or anything like that that could fit that that role for the Celtics at this point? Because it just seems like to me that's something that they've been ignoring the past couple of years. No Posey's coming in, no House coming. You know what I mean? None of those 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 guys coming off the bench that you really can rely on. Yeah, you know what? That's a that's a good question. I, I mean, it's just no one really comes to mind. Last year, I, I, I love the idea of, of uh, Jamal Crawford. I thought that was someone that just, just from a locker room standpoint, could just really get in there and and, and sort of help fix things, you know. But um, I, I now I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's just tough. I, I, I think of a couple of guys, but I just don't think they would fit where the Celtics are going, or, or at least um, because of the cap restrictions, you know. Ray John Rondo. I mean, some people don't want to hear that name, but man, someone like that. I, I, I would love Rondo to come back. I didn't want him to leave. Though. That voice could go a really long way for someone like Kemba Walker, you know, and that's sort of, uh, the role he finds himself in now, just mentoring. And, and it's a heck of a position to be in, you know, for someone who's been in the league for so long. So, but yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, those guys certainly come to mind, but again, I, I just don't realistically see the Celtics going out and, you know, ignoring the other two major issues that they need to address and addressing, you know, the locker room presence and voice, but hopefully something comes along. You know, I would like to see Danny do that. That was sort of what he used to do. Right. And during the big free era, you know, any veteran that was thirsty for a championship, hop on. If we, if we, if we like you, <laughs> you know, if, if, if right, KG right. <laughs> doesn't hate you, come on in. So um, hopefully. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> or, exactly. you know, you pass your test, you know? So, <laughs> but maybe, maybe that does happen. Maybe something comes, comes available. It's just, it's just tough right now. It's so early in the off season and uh, throughout a time where we don't even know what, when things are going to really get, get going, you know, but, but I'm keeping my eye out, but let me ask you guys a question. Cause this, this guy, this, this name popped in my, my head and, and not because he fits the, uh, the criteria you just said, but it just, I think it was more of a ironic thing that his, his name popped up. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. People, people aren't, you know, Ooh. um, you, you know what? You know? Like my, my initial reaction is yes. Like I, I would, I would love that. Now I know, you know, people are big up here on, Oh, you know, is, is he going to ruin the locker room? But at this moment, you need talent coming off the bench right now. And I'm not sure. I'm assuming, I'm assuming he would come off the bench. I don't know if Brad would start him, but now 
I know he would probably get killed in the pick and roll because I feel like he hasn't been the same, you know, mobile, uh, mobile yeah. since, uh, since the ACL, I mean, since the Achilles injury a couple of years ago, but, um, can you get him for three and a half million dollars? I'll take it. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know who, I feel like he would start because I mean, we are starting Daniel Tice at center in the, in the middle of the Eastern conference finals. So to me, I, I think that's a great, it's someone that I know Brad likes, because I know it's someone that they had had conversations about bringing it uh, in in the past. I like DeMarcus here. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, and also he he brings it to sell the silver word from Great Popovich. He brings some nasty here. Yeah, like, we, we need yeah. that. We, it's like it's, oh your, man, your six four point guard can't be. You know, I'm talking about Marcus Smart. Can't be the only guy that brings that nasty. Um, it, it's too pretty out there at times. Like you got to get ugly, you got to get ready sometimes. You know, not to take yeah. it back to oh wait, but it's like we had some goons on that team. So whether it was Park, you know, KG, you know, Posey, mm-hmm. you know, Tony Allen, you know, like we we had guys that would say, you know, we know our role, and you know, we're we're tougher than you, not just physically but mentally too. So they they got to get them guys yeah. here. It's that dominating uh, influence, right? That presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Funny. Uh, before I'll never forget this, and, and I guess it didn't. It's like a moot point because of what happened because Celtics won. But I, I'll never forget game seven right before the tip. And I think it was uh, – uh, was it Lowry? No. Someone from the Raptors was, like, talking to I – don't, I don't feel like it was Lowry. I don't think he would do it. I think it was someone else. Uh, talking to Tatum, and they're just, like, laughing and stuff. And, like, listen, like, I I'm not going to be like, oh, Tatum is not focused enough or he's, he's out of the game. I'm just like, what happened to those other Celtics teams, you know? Like, like, like that culture where it was just like, no, I'm not – soon as – we hit the floor like we're not friends. Like I'll yeah. talk to you I'll in the hallways. Like you know what I mean. Like I, I think Celtics need some more of that. You know, and I think Miami had a lot of that. And and I, I don't want to say they 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 bully the Celtics, but they sort of got into their head, right? You know, you, you snatch. Oh, you know, absolutely. And double and because, yeah. There's nothing. You know, that's gonna happen to any team. And I think this was in the end in that game seven. It was a head, it was a head game, and the Miami Heat won. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest piece they were missing. Which is definitely what they need. Which what we've been talking about the whole time is strength. You know what I mean? They just got bullied that entire series. They were getting bullied all over the place. Whether it was Tatum, whether it was uh, Brown, everyone was just getting bullied up and down the court. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, they, sure. they, they they made they made Bam out of bio look like Shaquille O'Neal out there. Right, right. And I mean, he essentially he got neutralized in that in that. Uh, in the finals, he got neutralized. You know, it was Kentucky, Kentucky against Kentucky, and AD said, "Hey, it's my time, big fella. Yeah. <laughs> You're not on my level. There's levels to this." And he found out. Good, but because to me, you know, you could tell me if you agree or disagree. I feel like Bam is an upgraded version of Al Horford. Uh, just someone that can, you know, that's going to control. He, he could bring. He could bring up the ball. You know. Um, <laughs> Can't shoot the three like Al yet, but to me, I think he's going to grow into that player and maybe surpass what Al has done in the NBA. Yeah, no, that's a good comparison because Al, you know, people forget he didn't. That, that, that three was literally, I think that was, that three point touch is what made this other say, okay, done deal. He's our guy now because mm-hmm. when he added that to his game, it obviously changed things and uh, it fit the mold for Brad Stevens. So yeah, it's actually a good, good, good comparison because I think that was what year, uh, year five maybe for him. You know, he had been in the league for quite some time. And then he uh, he he, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he got he got drafted in 07. Um, to yeah, because he went from he, taking he, like he, one to like yeah. four to five threes a night. So right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. All right. So talked about the off season a lot. Now you have a podcast with Cedric Maxwell. Anyone who listens to this, who watches the Celtics, know that Cedric Maxwell 
is not only one of the most entertaining people I've ever seen on TV, but probably one of the biggest characters I've, I don't want to say I've met him because I haven't, but probably one of the biggest characters I've ever seen on TV as well. You, you got, you got any good Cedric stories for us, man? Oh man, Max is a trip. This, this guy, sometimes we, we honestly, man, sometimes our episodes are just like full blown conversations that are just needed to be documented. You know, <laughs> it's like sometimes we will, we'll, we'll, we'll record an episode and then we'll just like start talking about something else and I'll just hit record and then that'll warp into another one. It's, it's incredible. Uh, the, the chemistry and just, uh, who he's, who he is, you know, his personality, everyone who's, who's, uh, had conversations with him will, will tell you, but man, a good Max story. I'm trying to think. I mean, one that certainly uh, comes to mind at first was this happened when we were out in L.A. when the Celtics played against the Lakers. And uh, the reason it comes to mind is because it was so close to, to the shutdown. And um, uh, outside of the podcast, you know, obviously I used to see him all the time uh, before and after games and, and on the road. So um, every uh, couple cities, every once in a while, he would hit me up and be like, oh, you know, take me out to eat or we'll go somewhere to hang out because obviously – uh, he knows a lot of the spots and stuff. And this is actually my very first time in LA. So um, uh, it was an off day and um, they're uh, the Celtics. They, he stays where the Celtics stay. Right. So they stay, they stay in this hotel in Beverly Hills and he invited me over. Uh, so yeah, he invited me over, man. So we're hanging out. Uh, it was, it was, a, it was a blast, man. We're talking about like all kinds of stuff, stuff that had nothing to do with basketball. He's telling me like crazy stories about like him and college and his days and stuff, stuff that like, Way, way before he even uh, got to the NBA. And we started getting into uh, this the, the Mount Rushmore conversation, right? I've had this so many times. It's actually one of our very first episodes was about this. Mount Rushmore, who your sports Mount Rushmore, not basketball, sports Mount Rushmore. So we're throwing out names, of course. You know, Jordan is being brought up, Muhammad Ali, you know, Mike Tyson and stuff. And as you guys can imagine, Max isn't shy, right? So we're, you know, people are... It's not, some people are having a conversation, but people are sort of, you know, quiet a bit. And Max is just turning around and being like, hey, give me your Mount Rushmore. People, <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, you, you, you right here. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Sports Mount Rushmore, who you got? And people literally, random people being like, Michael Jordan, right? Um, you know, um, like literally on the spot, um, Tiger Woods, like just random people. So then he's like, oh, what about you, miss? And I look over and it's, uh, it's, it's Carrie Champion from ESPN. You guys know who that is? Yeah, yeah, like, I do, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Max, that's that's champion. And he's like, wait, I'm like, that's the girl from me. And he's like, I thought she looked familiar. So, so she can't hear us, right? And he's telling me, I'm, I'm telling her who, who she is. He's like, well, even better. Let's find out who her, her Mount Rushmore is. She comes over. She gives her Mount Rushmore. She throws Kobe in there. So we get into a whole conversation about uh, how Kobe's name, you know, obviously Kobe's legacy and how – Everything, you know, has the NBA, NBA world that time was upside down. Right. And uh, um, a couple of days, this is a couple of days before his memorial. So memorial, Kobe Memorial was, was, was that Monday. The game was Sunday and we were talking for a while and we ended up just 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 hanging out. And I don't know, that's the first story that came to my mind because I'm just like, man, like we're in the middle of Beverly Hills. This is obviously like not, you know, the Ramada, you know, and this dude is just screaming at people, strangers, like. <laughs> Like middle I, love age, I love it though. I love it. Like, like think about it. You're thinking, oh yeah, something's no, no. This has, this is a middle of a random nice hotel. Like you don't know who these people are. It could be like surgeons in there. Like you don't know. He's in just the middle like, of Los Angeles of all places too. Like yeah, 
the, there's so many times where I'm with Max. This is exactly how this is why I have a podcast with him. So many times where I'm just like, this is a podcast. Like it was like a, a, a line that I used to always drop with him. He'd say something funny. I'd be like, hey Max, you know what this is? He'd be like, a podcast. I'd be like, yes. This is <laughs> so yeah, man. Funny times, but never a dull moment with, with Cedric Maxwell. Yeah, no, I, I I can imagine that that's dope. But for so before we get out of here, man, like how, how can we find you on social media? Oh man, I appreciate it. So you can find me on Twitter, uh at Joe underscore sway. Uh check out all my writing. Um, also follow, uh, follow heavy on Celtics, uh, on, on Facebook guys. We got a lot of great content coming out. Uh, a lot of, um, you know, obviously things, rumors and, and reports and, uh, you know, a handful of us, um, got you covered, not just Celtics, but obviously for specific, for exclusively Celtics, uh, writing and coverage, uh, follow, follow, uh, heavy on Celtics on Facebook. Yeah, sounds good, man. Well, you know, we appreciate your time, man. You know, we hope this ain't the last time that we connect with you. Oh, uh, no, definitely, man. Let's do this again. I appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, Yeah, no, yeah, it was fun for us too, man. So we appreciate you coming on the show today, and we hope to have you on again as we get closer to the start of the 2021 season. Once again, our guest today has been Josue Pavone. He covers the Celtics for Heavy.com. He is the co-host of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast and the founder and co-host of the Cosby Street Blogging Podcast. Josue, thank you for joining us here today. So for Bob Kelly, I'm Sean Buchanan. This has been episode 13 of the SNSW Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all times? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling, styles, representation, the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electric acid.